hundreds of other pastors that uh, that were underneath him. But um, and everybody that had uh, run across this man, everyone that had served with this man, had similar kinds of stories of the kind of integrity and the kind of person that he was. And as we were swapping stories, uh, my mind went back to when I was 16 years of age, and um, I was far from God. And Brother Seitz was one of these men that whenever you came to the church, he would shake everybody's hand and he'd give little side hugs. And um, But when I would walk to the door, he'd pull me in really, really, really close. And he would say, Junior, <laughs> that's me, Junior Smith, when are you going to give your life to the Lord? And I'm like, oh, you got it. And I would just so frustrated. And I'd walk in there. And so finally I just waited until he went up onto the platform before I'd walk into the auditorium. But... It was a Wednesday night. Auditorium is about the size, maybe a little bigger than this. And uh, back in the day, we didn't have all these separate ministries. We had one, you know, Wednesday night service. Everybody went, youth and adults. And, and so he was preaching. Now, listen, this guy, I don't remember much about his preaching, but I know that our services never lasted longer than 55 minutes, all right? And he never preached longer than 25 minutes. And, um, you know, I mean, it was a pretty short message, but... When you're not really tuned in, you're not really wanting to be there, that 25 minutes can be 25 hours. You know what I'm talking about? And so I would sit the way back. I mean, I would find, like, that corner seat behind the camera. We didn't have cameras back then. but And I would talk to my buddies. And one night, on a Wednesday night, he just pointed. And, and he would call. No problem for him to call me out. He just pointed his hand right back at me, and he said, Junior Smith, stop talking. Now, you could just, you know, when a pastor calls, it's an awkward moment. Uh, obviously, it's an awkward for the people, but it was a potentially life-changing moment for me. <laughs> uh, at that moment, um, my father stood up in the middle of the service, and uh, my dad was six feet tall, weighed 240 pounds. He wore cowboy boots, great big giant belt buckle, cowboy belt buckle, and he started walking down the aisle, pulling off his belt buckle just like that. Well, I ain't no fool. I'm not sticking around for a whooping, especially in the middle of the auditorium. And I looked at my dad, and I just busted it. I mean, right out those doors. I just, I just made it. I said, and I turned and said, you ain't going to catch me. That's what I and the head deacon, his name was Larry Wildman, and he was doing a full body block on my dad. You know, he was like, he's like, he wouldn't let my dad pass. My dad was going to tear me up. And I remember that. I mean, you know, it's funny how certain things in your life stick out. But what I, I begin to think, that story I'll never forget. That was a good, God saved that one just for you guys today. So. You can know the kind of rascal I really was. But as I begin to think about Bob's life, I begin to think about the kind of life that he lived, the legacy that he left. Now, we don't, don't think a lot about when you're younger, you don't really think about, you know, you know, when you're 20, 50 is like ancient of days. But when you hit that 50-plus age, you're like, wow, you really do start thinking about it. Yeah, and I, I would uh, uh, propose this to every person in this room, that the sooner that you think about your future and your long-term life and how you finish this thing, the better your life's going to go. Just, it's going to be the, the sooner you can really wrap your brain around that someday you're going to breathe your final life and have to give account for your life. The sooner you can figure that out, the better your life is going to go. This morning, we're in our story. We're in week number 16. Come on it is the long, this is the never-ending series. We're halfway through the middle of our story. And uh, last week, we talked about Elijah. You remember Elijah and the story on Mount Carmel and him calling fire down and sacrifice being consumed. And 
the kind of life that Elijah lived was a life that was, was really radical. I mean, he was radical for God. And, and the fact is that in Elijah's generation, Elijah's generation, man, it was like every generation. There were some people that did good, but there were a whole lot of people that didn't do good. And Elijah was calling the people back to God. He was calling the people back to God. And Elijah set his ministry, his life up. He set it up and he lived it in such a way that when we read about Elijah in the Bible, we say, wow, that guy was all in. He was completely sold out to the purposes of God. This morning I'm going to talk to you about a king. His name is Hezekiah. Hezekiah lived in a generation. At the time that he, he lived in, there were four prophets. See, God was always speaking to his people. God was always encouraging his people. God was always challenging his people to come back to the right way. Come back to live the path that you know that I want to bless you on. But their tendency in the heart of the human is, is prone to wander away from the purposes of God. And so Hezekiah is, is, is uh, in this generation. He's got the prophet Isaiah. He's got the prophet Jeremiah, Hosea, and Micah. He's got these men speaking to the children of Israel, but they're not listening. And he arrives on the scene. And that's where we find ourselves this morning in 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 18. I want you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. We're going to begin with verse number 1. 2 Kings chapter 18, we're going to begin with verse number 1. And the Bible says, In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah the prophet, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. I, you gotta just, if you have your Bible, if you just get your pen and underline that. Or if you don't, if you just read it on the screen, just take a snapshot of the screen. Because you need to remember this. What Hezekiah did was right in the eyes of the Lord just as his father David had done. Now, notice it doesn't say his earthly father, Ahaz, but it talks about his father, his father from descendants past, David had done. He removed the high places, and he smashed the sacred stones, and he cut down the ashwood poles, and he broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. All those action words there. Power, I love those. Smashing them. Perfect guy story, right? Smashing and breaking. It was called Neshtuan. And Hezekiah, verse number 5, trusted in the Lord. Everyone say, trusted in the Lord. The God of Israel. There was no one like him. All the other kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses. And the Lord was with him. And he was successful. Everyone say, successful. And whatever he undertook, he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. Now, you've got to listen closely here. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory. In King Hezekiah's fourth year, which was the seventh year of Hoshea. Now, remember, we talked about the, the, the 12 tribes. There were 10 northern tribes, and there were two southern tribes. The kingdom had been divided because of Solomon's rebellion, and Solomon's son, Rehoboam, had experienced a tearing apart, a tearing apart of this unified kingdom. It was now two kingdoms. And the Bible says, so, at, so the, in King Hezekiah's fourth year, which is the seventh year of Hoshea, the king of the north, son of Elah, king of Israel, Shalamanzar, king of Assyria, 
marched against Samaria and laid siege to it. And at the end of three years, the Assyrians took it. So Samaria was captured in Hezekiah's sixth year, which was the ninth year of Hoshea, king of Israel. And the king of Israel deported Israel to Assyria and settled them in Halah, in Gaza, on the Haber River, in the town of the Medes, to be no more. The ten tribes were assimilated by the Assyrians, never again to be heard of. In verse number 12, and this is why it happened. This happened because they had not obeyed the Lord their God, but had violated his covenant. All that Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded, they neither listened to the commands, nor they carried them out. Here's my big idea today. You can't rewrite your past. You can't do it. But you can change the course of your future. Come on, amen? This morning, our pastoral prayer, we're going to pray for uh, Pastor Marvin and Angela Scott of Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. They're a local church right here in the community. We are so honored that we can partner with them. They have prayer meetings every Monday night at their church, and they're praying for God to move, God to do a supernatural work in the city, in this community of Sanford. And so we're standing with them in prayer this morning. So I want you to join with me as we pray. Father, we thank you today for the work of your spirit. We thank you that we've been able to worship you and express our love for you in song today. We thank you, Lord, that your word has gone forth. And over these next several moments, I need your grace. I can't do this without you, Jesus. Every week I stand before the people and I say, Lord, help me. I need your help. But, God, your people need your help. They need your help to hear the voice of the Lord. They need to hear what you say and not what I say. God, we thank you for pastors like Marvin and Angela Scott at Second Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church and the work that they are doing. God, I pray that you will bless them and their family and, and bless their, their son, Lord. Let your grace be with them today. Give them a great move of your spirit in that church. And let the work of the kingdom be advanced because of their life. God, we bless them today. Father, we remember today the, the families of those who, who lost their loved ones in this terrible, this terrible uh, shooting down over Ukraine of this airplane. I pray for those families today for the peace and the grace of God. God, these things we can't understand, but we know that this is your story. God, I pray today for the nation of Israel, what's taking place on the Gaza Strip, even as this incursion is taking place today. I pray that you'll bring peace. He said, Lord, that we were to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, for therein we would find our peace. And, God, we pray for that holy city today. God, we pray for the leadership of our nation and of our country. Thank you for what you're doing here in Sanford, Florida. God, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated this morning. At the end of our story, at the end of our message this morning, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you today to check your own heart. What's God speaking to you today? We're going to take a moment at the end of the service today to allow God to speak to us. You know, as I was preparing this message, I, I've thought a lot about this whole life of Hezekiah. I've studied this for two weeks and listening and reading and trying to wrap my heart about, around what happened in the ministry and the life of Hezekiah. But Hezekiah was an incredible king. At the age of 25, he became the leader of this nation. At the age of 25, he became a, a leader of a nation where, listen, we just read about his mom and his dad, that this nation was not following God. As a matter of fact, as the leader goes, so goes the nation. And Hezekiah, at the age of 25, although his mother was, seemed like a good woman, his father was far from God. I mean, far from God. 
His father, Ahaz, was a, was a guy that just was really in love. He was in love with the position of being king, but he was also in love with the things of the world. I mean, he claimed to be a, a follower of Yahweh. He claimed to be a follower of God, but his lifestyle demonstrated something completely opposite. As a matter of fact, the scriptures tells us, and we look at Hezekiah's life, we have three accounts of his life found in the Bible. 2 Kings chapter 18 through 20, which was our text this morning, and 2 Chronicles chapter 29 through 32, and Isaiah chapter uh, uh, 36 through 39. And now when you put his life together, which I'm going to do this morning, you're going to see some things about Hezekiah's life. But what you really see about Hezekiah is that Hezekiah's father wasn't a very good guy. In other words, Hezekiah's upbringing, the family that he grew up in, his dad didn't serve the Lord. His dad, his dad said that he was a Christian. His dad said that he was a follower of God, but he lived a completely different kind of life. As a matter of fact, one of Hezekiah's brothers, this king Asa, took this, took this uh, son and he offered him up as a sacrifice, literally as a sacrifice to the god Moloch. He set up high places uh, in Jerusalem, places for the people to go to worship other than the house of God. He introduced pagan worship and false worship and he just did a lot of things that were completely wrong. And, and when you look at Asa's life, you see that things weren't going very well. And as we look at the life of Asa's today, the Bible tells us that the Asa did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He didn't do what was right in the sight of God. He didn't do what was right in the eyes of God. Can you think about your life? Can you imagine living your whole life and you stand at the very end? God says, you didn't do right in my sight. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty scary thought. That's a pretty scary thought. The fact is we're all going to give account for our life. And people can say whatever they want to say. They can, they, can, they can do whatever they want to do. But at the end of the day, they're going to breathe their final breath. Asa didn't do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And the second thing that Asa did is that he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. The kings of Israel. There were 19 kings that served over 208 years in the northern tribes. And over those 218 years, they had 19 different kings, 19 different prophets. And the prophets would speak and tell them to turn back to God. But every one of the kings of Israel chose to follow their own way, chose to follow the pattern, chose to follow the, the ways of their generation, chose to serve the gods that was in their generation. Not one of them, not one of them served God. Never happened. This king Asa followed in their ways. Followed in the ways of those who God was displeased with. As a matter of fact, God's full cup of wrath, the Bible talks about, God's full cup was to the very brim. It was under Asa. It was under Asa. And as the kingdom turned to his son, that the northern tribes were cut off from God. Last week we read the verse in Exodus, and God cut off his presence from the people of Israel. I don't know about you, but that's a scary thought. That's a really scary thought. It, 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 this is kind of what it would be like in modern times. You know, there's a church down the street, and, and the pastor, he's, you know, he seems like a really good guy, and the church has got a lot of people, and all kinds of stuff's going on there. And, and, and one day, this pastor stands up, and he says, you know what? He says, you know, I've been talking to some of my friends, and, and I'm not really sure that Jesus is the only way. And and so, you know, there's some other paths out there possibly. And we just want to be this place to be a place of inclusion. And so he puts a great big statue of Buddha 
right on the statue. And you're like, what is that guy doing? I mean, you know, and I'm over here and I'm like, you know, Pastor Smith over at this church and I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, that guy is crazy. What is he doing? You know, but the, 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 he keeps, you know, he has this Buddha God up there and they're praying to Buddha and they're praying to Jesus. They're giving offerings to Buddha. They're giving offerings to Jesus. It's all mixed up. They're all confused about what's the right way. And, and then all of a sudden, I, I was like, you know, my church isn't growing like that church. Maybe we should get a Buddha. Now, now you know, I'm like, you know, it's, I know it's not right, but, you know, it seems to be working for them. And, and so I put a great big statue of Buddha up there. And you're like, you are crazy. I'm out of here. But then there's a group of people that just kind of go along with it. Well, you know, it's not that bad. You know, did the Bible re- is the Bible really true? Is Jesus really the only way? That's exactly what was happening in this generation. They were confused. They had questioned the authority of God's word. They, they really didn't believe. And here's the deal. Here's the deal with Aza's life. Sin always has collateral damage. I mean, Aza did evil in the eyes of the Lord, but because he did evil, he led a whole generation of people with him. A whole generation of people Compromise. The whole generation of people followed the way of the gods of this world. The fact is, your life and my life, good, bad, and in between, people that, people that follow us will do not what we say, but they'll do what we do. I mean, every parent knows this. I mean, you can tell your kids not to do something, not to do it, but if you're out there doing it, man, your, your example is so loud, they can't hear a word you're saying. It's the same with nations. It's the same with governments. It's the same with businesses. I mean, the boss can have a rule, but if he's doing something completely different, the people aren't going to follow him. Uh, you know, real quick, uh, I just thought of this. You know, there's, there's three ways not to have the blessing of God in your life. There are three ways not to experience the blessing of God in life. First of all is refuse to put God first. I mean, just kind of live for yourself. Think it's all about you. Refuse to put God first in your life. Now, oh, I go to church every Sunday. Hey, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than, a, than me walking into a garage makes me an automobile. Come on, automobile, right? I mean, it just doesn't. I mean, just because you go to church, hang out with Christians, it doesn't make you a follower of Christ. I mean, putting God first means that we give Him everything. We give Him our heart. We give Him our time. We're not perfect. We never claim to be perfect, but we're all in this thing. The second thing is reject the authority of God's Word. I've had pastor friends over the year who started to have real questions about the authority of the Bible. And the moment you start going down that trail, there's a problem. You know what the problem is in your life? The problem is that you were looking for a loophole. You're looking for an excuse. I've seen it. I've seen pastors who start going down that trail because ultimately there's something in their life. There's something in their life that they haven't been able to reconcile. And so rather than surrendering to God and calling out for his help, they say, well, I don't know if that's really true. You know, Paul didn't really write that. Did Jesus really say that? Rejecting the truth of God's word. And the third one is pursuing the gods of this generation. Whatever it is. Whatever that means to you. I mean, you know, we're not clotheslining here. But there are things. There are things that pull us away from worshiping God. There are things that pull us away from giving God all of our heart. You see, the fact is, is that Hezekiah did not become like his father. Ahaz did the wrong things. Ahaz led the people down to a backslidden life. We don't use that term a lot. It's an Old Testament term. But there is something about a heart that turns away from God. 
turns away to live for yourself, to do your own thing, not really sure this is true. God is speaking. God's speaking to us. God's speaking to you and I. And God's using this man, Hezekiah. Hezekiah, at the age of 25, he made a determination. He made a determination that he was not going to be like his father. The fact is today, you can choose a different path. You can choose a different path. You can't rewrite your past, but you can change the course of your future. You can today, but it's all up to you. I mean, God provided everything that you have need of through his son, Jesus. God's grace is available to every person that will call upon him. The Bible says, call upon me and I will show you great things. Paul or Peter said in the, in the book of Acts, he said, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God is always near to those who will cry out to him. Hezekiah made a decision. So how did Hezekiah rewrite his story? How did he change his destiny? First thing that I want you to see this morning is Hezekiah chose to walk in the ways of God. He chose. Second Kings chapter 18, verse number 4, we read it this morning. He removed the pagan shrines. Remember, the first act and the first month of his kingship, the first thing that he did is he got rid of the idols. He removed the pagan shrines. He smashed. Everyone just say smashed. Just feels good to say smashed, doesn't it? Smashed the sacred pillars. He cut down. Ooh, you little cut down the Asherah poles. He broke up the bronze servant. I mean, the bronze servant had been a religious artifact that God used in the time of Moses. That when the people were that were being bitten by snakes, that they would look at it, they'd be healed. Look how they take this thing that God used at one time in a previous generation, and now becomes a source of idolatry. They worship the created rather than the creator. And the challenge for every generation, even in the church, the challenge is for us to worship, to take our our focus and our attention off of the person who's created us and made us, the one who is our king and our God. You know, and and the founding of our country at the revolutionary period, the revolutionaries, they, they had this saying, we have no king but King Jesus. That's what they said. We have no king but King Jesus. Have no king. Hezekiah, he chose to walk in the path of God. He was his own man. He was determined to do what was right and follow God's ways. He cleaned house. He cleaned house. He started with himself. He started with himself. He wasn't worried about anybody else. He wasn't judging anybody. He just got with himself. And he did the right thing. He cleaned house. See, this is the deal, guys. As a follower of Christ, the fundamental quality of a successful Christian is that they determine to serve God. I know that I'm not going to do this all perfect, but I am determined to today I'm going to serve the Lord. You've got to settle it. You've got to settle that issue in your own heart. And no one else can do it for you. I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to cajole you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to exhort you. But for yourself, before God, you have to make that decision. I can tell you. I, I can, I've had some life-changing moments. I've had some times in my life where, where things completely changed because of one decision. One decision to follow God. You know, and some of the times I tell these stories, and, and, and some new people are here. You've never heard them. Some older people have been around for a while. You've heard them. So this is story 197 and the Eugene Smith box of stories. But hear me today. Hear me today. November 1983. I can tell you exactly where I was at. 
I was, I can tell you what I was doing. I can tell you who I was hanging with. I can tell you there's a cigarette hanging out of my mouth. I was watching a movie with five of my friends called Officer and a Gentleman. I, can, I remember it like yesterday. And as I watched that movie, God was dealing with my heart. And I took that cigarette and I put it out and I said, never again. I said, I'm not going to live this kind of life. I made a decision at that moment. The next three or four days of my life, once I made that decision, once I made the decision that I was going to serve God, things radically changed. I mean, all the chaos and the confusion and the brokenness and all the junk that I was trapped in, God just began to break it off. God began to tear it off. When I got before the Lord and I fully surrendered to him, I was never the same person. I was never the same. You have to choose to walk in the path of God. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 33 says, You walk in the way that the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall walk in the way the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live, and that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. You've got to choose. You shall walk so that you may live, and that it may go well with you. Paul the Apostle told the church of Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, examine yourself. Your job isn't to examine your brother. Your job isn't to examine the pastor. Your job is to start with you. I mean, that's where you start. The moment you start looking at other people and what they're doing and how wrong they are, they're not, the moment you start doing that, you're going down the wrong trail. Paul says, examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. Wow. <laughs> God says, walk. Walk in my ways. Walk in my commands. Follow after me. And guess what? Guess what? It'll go well for you. Life won't be easy necessarily. When we look at the life of Hezekiah, I won't have time this morning to go through his whole life, but he had challenges and he made some failures and he made some mistakes and he did some things that weren't right. But you know what he did differently? When someone came to him, when the prophet came to him and said, you know what, Hezekiah, you were wrong. Isaiah said, Hezekiah, listen, you're not doing it right. God's discipline is coming to your life. You know what he did? He immediately said, you know what, you're right. I'm wrong, and he repented. Other kings would have tried to kill that same word, would have tried to destroy that messenger. Hezekiah, when he was wrong, he just humbled himself and said, God, forgive me. God, have mercy. Examine yourself today. Are you walking in the path? Are you living the life that God's called you to? Are you experiencing his blessing? Do you know his peace? Do you know his joy? Do you have that sense of assurance that you're walking in the way that he's called you and I? It's a good way. It's the blessed life. It's the favored life. It's the life where your family's at peace. It's the life that the provision of God, whatever's taking place, you're not worried about it because you know that God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. That's the life that God's called you to. Not a life of perfection, but a life of trust. Saying, God, I'm going to walk after you. The second thing, the second thing, I'm going to close with this this morning. The second thing that Hezekiah did was that he restored true worship to the house of God. He restored true worship to the house of God. Here's the point. This whole message could be based around this. Second Chronicles chapter 29, talking about Hezekiah, says, In the first month of the first year of his reign... He opened the doors of the temple. He opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. Put that verse up on the screen. He opened the doors of the temple and he repaired them. Very first act, very first decision 
you know, we're going to be worshipers of God here. We're going to worship God. His father had shut the door. His father had closed the door to worship. That's exactly what the Bible says. Hezekiah said, you know what? We're going to worship God. We're going to be people who worship God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength. Now, I know that we're not an Old Testament temple. I get that. I, I get that there's not this building in Jerusalem that God only inhabits in the Holy of Holies. I get that. Because the writer of Hebrews tells us that now the Holy of Holies is right here. We are the temple of God. We're the place where God's Spirit dwells. And what happens in our life when we're not walking the path, when we're not walking after the ways of God, the doors of worship close. Paul said it like this. He said, worship the Lord in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. What melody, making melody in your heart, what melody is in your heart? What melody is in your heart? I love, we got a preschool here, and, and I'll, I'll walk over there, and you'll see the three and the four-year-olds on the playground, and, and they'll do a little chapel, and they'll get some song, and, and they're out there, and, and the playground, they're singing to the top of the voice. Just singing at the top. They're singing worship songs. That's what I love about having a preschool here, because we get to see kids whose parents maybe aren't walking in the way, but they get to hear the truth about Jesus. And I love it when they encounter his presence. They don't even know who it is, but the atmosphere of their life has changed. And then they take it back to their homes, and their parents are like, wow, this is kind of cool. And they start to find their way into the church. Because the Bible says, by a little child, by a little child, they shall lead them. little child. Out of the mouth of babes, God has perfected praise. There's something about having a song in your heart for the Lord. What's the song of your heart today? What song are you singing? What song? Hezekiah, he opens up the doors and and he says, come on, guys, let's worship. Let's go after God. And then the Bible says that he reinstitutes the priesthood. I mean, Asa, his father, had shut it all down. He shut all true spirituality out of his life. Hezekiah does exactly the opposite. The priests represent the house of the Lord. They represent serving God in the temple. One of the ways that I know that, that my heart is drifting from God is that, that I don't love His church. I don't love serving maybe the way that I used to serve. You know, when you first come to Jesus, you have that experience of God, and you're going after Him, you're loving Him, and man, you just can't wait to serve. You can't wait to be. You, 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 you're not. You're like, what man, can I? What, what, what can I do? I want to be part of the team. I love Keith. I, I love Keith. I, I've watched Keith's life since he was younger. And, uh, and I've seen him grow up in this place. We call it the house of God. Paul the Apostle called it the house of the Lord. And I've watched it just as he made himself available. Hey, whatever. I'm a, team, I'm a team player. I'm a team player. Serving in the youth ministry. We've given him opportunities over the years. Now he's one of the great preachers in this church. And, and I love to listen to him preach. Watched him online while I was in church at Washington, in Washington, D.C., watching Keith preach to you on Sunday morning. I love it. You know what he says to God? I just make myself available. You know, when we start to lose focus of walking on the right path, worship isn't our priority. The house of God isn't our priority. The things of God kind of get put to the background. Hezekiah says, no, no, no. The priests are going to do their duties. The people, you are created to serve. You were created by God to serve other people. You were created to be a blessing. You were created to make a difference in the life of someone. This thing isn't about you today. It's about Jesus. It's about our King. We have no King but Jesus. It's about making His name famous in our generation. That's what this is about. Oh, I love this. I love it. And then the Bible says that He restored the sacrifice. 
restore the sacrifices. The first offering was a sin offering. People truly sorry for their sins. Restores an offering. God, we are sorry. God, we've turned our back. You can just read the story. God, we're sorry. We turned our back on you. God, our, our fathers, they follow the wrong way. They come and they give God an offering. An offering. Sacrifice in the Old Testament was animal, but the Bible says that we are to offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice. Holy, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. Offer, which is your reasonable service. Look what all he's done for you. Look what Jesus did for you. He took the sins of the world, all your failure, all your junk, all the mess-ups, all the screw-ups. He took everything upon himself. He did it for you because he loves you. (laughs) And then he, and then, oh, it wasn't just enough to do the sin offering. He offered a burnt offering. Ooh, a living sacrifice. Burnt. Spent for God. All that. And then the Bible says that he gave a thanks offering. He gave a thanks offering. And his thanks offering was giving back to God. He literally started giving the tithe again. This is what happened. When he got saved, when he got right with God, when he restored true worship in the house of the Lord, his wallet was empty. He restored it. He started giving. And because he started giving, the people started giving. They gave the tithe. Old Testament, they had three tithes. I mean, these people were generous. You know, the fact is today is that he restored generosity in the land. And what happens when, the, when our heart is changed, when our heart is touched, when our heart is fully surrendered to God, giving to the Lord, serving to the Lord, being a blessing to people, serving other people, giving of your offerings to God. Because you understand that when you give, you are making a difference. You're enabling God's kingdom. You're enabling these 16 people in the Dominican Republic. You're enabling them to minister and to share the love of God to thousands of children this last week. It was amazing. Amazing. You know why? Because someone gave. Someone opened up their wallet and said, you know what? I'm so grateful that God has saved me. I'm so thankful. So thankful. I want to give my life to help someone else. He restored generosity. Look at the Bible says in Second Chronicles. It says, And Ahaz, the chief priest, and the family of Zadok, when he asked him about all this that was taking place, there was a big mound of offering. And he says, listen. He says, Hezekiah, where did all this come from? He says, since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we've had enough to eat and plenty to spare. Because the Lord has blessed his people, and this great amount is what's left over. This amount is what's left over. Wow. The blessing of the Lord, the favor of the Lord, the grace of God. Hezekiah did two things. He walked in the way of God. He did lots of things, but he did two things that stand out in my life, in my mind today. He walked in the ways of God. He made it determined to serve God. And the second thing is that he restored true worship. Jesus told the woman at the well, they that worship the Lord must worship him in spirit and in truth. God created you to be a worshiper. God created you. That's why you're on this planet. He loves it when his people praise him. He loves it when we live life surrendered. He loves to bless. He loves to bless. God gave Hezekiah great success. The greatest revival in the history of Israel, the greatest revival in the people of God took place under his ministry because he was all over. Would you just stand with me this morning?
What's God speaking to you today? What's God speaking to you? Close your eyes. The Lord's speaking to us today. I told you at the beginning of the message that we're going to take a moment. We're going to give God an opportunity to speak to our hearts today. Is there something in your life that you need to repent of? Is there something that you've been hanging on to? Something that you just, you know, you're not sure. You're not really sure if this is the right way. Maybe you're a believer today and you realize that you've been distracted. You've been distracted. You don't really have a love for his house. You don't not really loving, worshiping God. God's speaking to you today. Like Hezekiah, when he was called out, he said, God, forgive me. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. God's asking us to turn back to him. Maybe you're here today and you're far from God. I want you to know he loves you. God has a way for you to walk in the path of He's calling you to make a decision. Maybe you're here today, you're a believer. You're a believer and you've been on the fence. I know what it is to be on the fence. I've lived that life. God's calling you to him. Come over to his side. Lord, to his side. The gods of this world, the things of this world will never satisfy. Things that they'll never satisfy. Only God will satisfy. Only King Jesus will fill you with joy, peace, all the things that human heart loves and longs for. Maybe you're just a follower of Jesus and you're going after God today, but you just want a, a fresh encounter. You want a fresh encounter of worship, a fresh experience with the Spirit today. There's no one looking right now. If you're any one of those, on the count of three, can you raise your hand? We're going to spend just some time in worship. One, two, three, one. Anyone right now? All across this room. Believer, can you just lift your hand right now to the Lord? Come on, I just want you to begin to worship. As you're worshiping, I want you just to begin to talk to the Lord. Ask God to search you, examine your hearts. Come on, let's worship the Lord this morning. God, we want to walk in the right path. Lord, forgive us today. Forgive us today for the times that we detour. Today, Lord, we make the decision. God, we want to walk in your path. Lord, I pray today that you will help us to restore true worship. God, a love for you and a love for your people and a love for your house. 
God, and let it overflow with the spirit of generosity, the spirit of goodness to be a blessing everywhere we go. God, we thank you. Thank you for the gift of your spirit. Thank you that your presence is here to change our lives. We love you, Jesus. You're awesome. In your wonderful name. In your wonderful name of Jesus. Let's give God a great big hand. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, Pastor. Wasn't that good? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that, Pastor. And as you're finding your way back to your seat, we're going to conclude our service this morning with giving. And so our us just going to make their way forward at this time as we receive this morning's or this afternoon's tithes and offerings. Many ways to give. OrlandoCityChurch.com. Safe and secure. You can also use this envelope right in front of you. Cash, debit, or check right in there. And uh, our theme verse for the month of July is Acts 20.35. Can we read this together on the count of three? One, two, three. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And if you've ever given to someone in need, you know the feeling of that. It's just, it's just incredibly um, just exciting to be a blessing to somebody else. And as Pastor mentioned in his message, we've had an incredible opportunity as a church uh, to, to, to minister to people in the Dominican Republic. This past week, we had 16 people from our church go. We've got a few pictures to show you from just a few outreaches. Our team there had the honor and privilege of, of uh, ministering to several thousand young kids throughout the duration of this week. And just some cool things that happened just yesterday. Um, just yesterday, the team had the opportunity to, uh, uh, to minister to over 600 young kids, and 147 of them made the decision to trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's amazing. And something else really cool, there was a, an 80-year-old woman that um, put together over 200, I believe it was 260 dresses for young girls. And our team had the honor uh, to give these away to young children who never received anything like it before. And just, they said,